Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by Palm Wonderful and Harry's Shaving. Thank you so much for listening. As I say, we have got a great guest today on a great program who, after reading his new book, Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy, I've been looking forward to talking to him for a while, and whom I'll introduce in just a moment, but quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 688th episode when I spoke to Smithsonian associate Glory Liu about her new book, Adam Smith's America. Two weeks ago, I spoke with Smithsonian associate Mary Beth Albright about her new book, Eat and Flourish, How Food Supports Emotional Well-Being. Wonderful subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you missed those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you. They're on our website, notold-better.com. Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, The Everyday Experiences That Changed My Life is a new book by first-time author and our guest today, Daniel Stewart Holmes. I know him as Danny, know him well, as a matter of fact. I'll tell you right up front that Danny is a good friend. You all know from listening to the show that I read a lot, interview a lot of authors from my readings, and love books. And there are an awful lot of books written each year, so I'm picky about what I read, only interviewing authors of those books that I enjoy. Danny's book is special. You'll hear Danny read a passage from the book in just a moment, but briefly, Danny is a husband, a father of twins, entrepreneur, and aerospace and defense executive. Danny is a busy guy. We'll talk about that. Plus, what's changed since writing his first book, how to get started and keep going when writing, good old-fashioned perseverance, and what it means to be an observer and an ordinary guy. I've always been an observer, an introvert. As a child, even today, I could look out the window on long car rides for hours and not say a word. Perfectly content and deeply fixed on the simple and predictable landmarks of the typical American road trip billboards without numbers, the rhythmic countdown of highway mile markers, the rotting barn perched on a rolling hillside, and the miles and miles of high tension wires trailing off to a distant horizon. And even though I saw the same things over and over, just ordinary things, they never seemed any less mysterious or any less worthy of my attention. There was always a subtle detail that required a more thoughtful examination. There was always something that made it impossible to look away. And there was always something more to learn. Maybe it's no coincidence that many years later, I began writing a book on the simple everyday experiences that changed my life. That although I'm just an ordinary guy, I'm able to live an extraordinary life. Every day, we encounter things that can inspire us to see the world a little differently, to take pause, to learn something new, or even to recognize the divine. It can be a person, a memory, a character in a book, seven miles of asphalt, or even a can of Coke. They are anything and everything, and their gifts are many. The new perspectives, a sense of peace, an important lesson, or perhaps a glimpse at another level of our being. They're a delicate reminder that there's always something beautiful to see, 
always something important to learn and always a better way to live, a better version of ourselves. These experiences, the people and stories in this book, have brought me to a fuller understanding of what it means to be alive. They've been powerful guideposts in my life. And the most beautiful thing is they're not unique. They're the experiences we all have every day. These stories have shown me the way, a path to the life I've always wanted. Over time, they continue to teach and inspire, and their lessons grow and evolve just as we all do. I look back on these people and events often, and they always have something more to tell. Their messages are timeless and can echo across our lives if we let them. As such, I chose to bring these stories to life through the one thing I know best, the language of love. While reading a small book of short stories, all true events from my life, I hope you can relate to their simple messages, to the triumphs as well as the trials. I hope you'll be inspired to keep a similar record of your daily encounters, one that you can cherish throughout your life. I hope you'll find a new road, a new way to happiness that you didn't know before. And most importantly, I hope something inside you changes forever, that your days from now on will be a little brighter and that your personal journey will be lifted to the stars. The following pages are an invitation to be always mindful of the love and beauty around us every day. We just need to know where to look. And that, of course, is our guest today, first-time author Danny Olms, reading from his new book, Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, The Everyday Experiences That Changed My Life. It's a great book. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better show on radio and podcast, Danny Olms. Danny Olms, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you having me on. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, I know you well, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. I I know how hard you've worked on this book and this project. I very much appreciate you reading to our audience uh, a passage from the book. Um, I watched how you wrote it. I know what it took to write it for you. And so it's my honor, really. It, it's just a privilege. The book is excellent. It's getting rave reviews online. Of course, the title of the book by Danny Olms, our guest today, is Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy. You read this, and you talk about it in the book, this section about living an extraordinary life. Of course, the title, again, is Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy, yet you've lived this extraordinary life. Do you think there's a contradiction there? And and so what – maybe tell our audience a little bit about what it means to you to be extraordinary and what makes us extraordinary. Sure, absolutely, Paul. And, you know, extraordinary is something – I think particularly nowadays, it's a, a bit of a, is not well-defined. Extraordinary is typically something that's defined by fame or money or power or influence, uh, that you had some great accomplishment, you know, you've broken a record, it's, maybe it's something related to athletics. It's certainly our role models are all, you know, described as, as extraordinary, um, but I, I think that extraordinary has a deeper meaning. I think it has a a more fundamental uh, meaning. And I really think it is how you reflect on your own life. You know, the choice you make with the things that happen to you, 
you know, can be viewed one way or another. Yeah, to me, looking up at the night sky, for instance, is is a thing that everybody does. It's a very ordinary thing. But I look up at the night sky with and just consider it extraordinary. Um, you know, the awesome complexity of the universe and, and this crazy place we find ourselves in. Um, but that's all a viewpoint and, and on a very ordinary um, and, and, you know, extraordinary is not necessarily accessible for all of us. You know, we're all not going to make a million dollars. We're all not going to break records in the book. You know, we're not going to be remembered by history necessarily. But in, in, in my opinion, extraordinary means, you know, how, how did you love other people? You know, how, how well did you know yourself? Did you ex- express gratitude for the things that you had in your life? I think we could all look up at the sky, though. So many of us can, you know, can look at the ordinary. You've taken that ordinary and translated that into the book and made that extraordinary. So there's a, there, I think there's a different inspiration. Maybe tell us about what inspires you as you look at some of these extraordinary things that maybe some others might see as just yeah. ordinary. Uh, you know, I can answer that a couple of ways. And I, you know, the, the first I'll, I'll say what inspired me to write the book. So about 15 years ago, I had a, a very ordinary experience pulling my car into a parking garage at work, you know, something I've done hundreds of times. But on one particular day, I witnessed an elderly woman walking by the front of my car. She had this Mickey Mouse shirt on, and it was probably somewhere between 90 and 95 years old. She was, you know, you know very old, moved with some difficulty. Uh, but in her hand was something I'll never forget, and it was a gym bag. And and I was absolutely stunned by what I saw. You know, it sort of redefined my, you know, my definition of of endurance. You know, you know me as a runner, but you know, I I was absolutely floored by this woman's not only physical endurance but spiritual endurance. And and when I say I had a surge of energy as a result of this experience, I mean, it would be doing it an understatement. I mean, it was, it was so powerful, I could almost hear it. And it dawned on me in that moment that if I can have this feeling with a total stranger on an otherwise average day, that I could have that experience with a lot of other things and a lot of other people, that there are 8 billion manifestations uh, of that on Earth. And, um, and they were all equally beautiful, but... On that day, I, I committed myself to writing these types of experiences down. Um, you know, one of the things I talked about in my book is that, you know, we are absolutely bombarded by information on a daily basis, which makes it very difficult to see these subtleties in life. It certainly makes it very difficult to remember them. So, you know, across the last 15 years, I've written down a lot of little events of my life that have been quite profound, but you know, they're fleeting. I would have forgotten them had I, had I not written them down. I do. I do think that's what makes you unique as an author. It's special. And, and so I, I, I get that this woman inspired you that, that as a 95 year old that showed perseverance 
that's a valuable lesson, I think, to my audience in particular. All of us, uh, most of us who are listening, are are my age, or you know, in that in that age range of sixty five plus. What are some of the other lessons that you learned that can inspire um, my audience? Sure, and you know, this is something that uh, one of the reasons I I have a love of running is that you can do it across an entire lifetime. You know, you know, you don't have to be fast or slow, but you know, you're out there. Lessons that I learned on the road. That's the last chapter of my book. Um, was that I, you know, while while I ran, it was impossible for me to do two things. Uh, it was impossible for me to have a lot of the common fears of everyday life, and, and a lot of the common regrets that we have on a daily basis and, and what that, you know, it's, it's a regret for the past and it's an anxiety or fear of the future. And what that really leads to Paul is, is, is negativity. And it takes us out of the, the present moment. And the thing that I learned there, the thing that, that, that I was able then to apply to a lot of area, other areas of my life was that when you're present and you remove negativity, it's amazing what you do think about and it's amazing the information that does come to you in the form of these subtleties of, that, I, that I write about. Um, <clears throat> but I, I learned that lesson, you know, on the road, out running. Uh, a wonderful quote uh, in, in the running world is that it, it was very difficult to run and feel sorry for yourself at the same time. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's just incredible what comes to you when you're not obsessed with the negative or obsessed with some something that's really out of our control, which is the past and, and, and the future. Hey, it's Paul. We'll be right back with our guest, but I want to take a moment and mention our generous sponsor, Palm Wonderful. You know, all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience know full well that the first step in taking care of your body and mind begins with eating and drinking right every day. And what better way to get your daily fill of antioxidant goodness than with delicious Palm Wonderful 100% pomegranate juice. With 700 milligrams of polyphenol antioxidants in every serving, this 100% juice from whole-pressed pomegranates helps protect your body against harmful free radicals. Palm contains no added sugars, preservatives, or fillers. It truly is health in a bottle. Drink it daily, feel it forever. We have been drinking Palm Wonderful 100% pomegranate juice in our house for a while. And for Thanksgiving, my wife made the Palm Salsa recipe instead of traditional cranberry jelly. Wow. We used palm juice and palm fresh fruit, and it was amazing, just delicious. It's now our go-to palm salsa. To find delicious recipes and learn more about the antioxidant goodness of palm, visit palmwonderful.com. Thanks, everybody. Hi, it's Paul. I mentioned our sponsor today, Harry's, who's created a different shaving experience. I love New Year's. We have talked about our Not Old Better show resolutions, fitness goals, and other lifestyle changes for the new year. Well, here's a question about resolutions for you. How do you think you could take the new you to the absolute max in this new year? Let your imagination go wild. Well, Harry's can help. How? 
For me, I wanted to make some grooming changes. Harry's sent me their new look trial set of a weighted ergonomic handle, five blade razor cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a great travel blade cover. The ember color handle is just gorgeous. And the shave has been amazing. Close, smooth, and clean. I really prefer a clean shave, which Gretchen prefers to. The packaging upon delivery was beautiful, but the shave made me, well, more beautiful. <laughs> Looking pretty good for my age, if I don't say so myself. And, and of course, Gretchen agrees. You can get this same package for a clean shave along with the Truman Shave Trial for just $3 at harrys.com slash N-O-B. That's a $15 value. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. Plus, you can schedule replacement blade delivery whenever you need refills for as low as $2. I'll tell you one other thing that sets Harry's apart, and it's something we talk a lot about here on the Not Old Better Show, and that's mental health. Harry's sets aside 1% of their sales to support nonprofits providing mental health care services to men in need. Harry's is on track to reach 1.5 million men and donate over $12 million by next year. That's amazing work. From this man and the men of the Not Old Better Show audience, thank you, Harry's. So don't waste any more time comparing brands. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they are still offering a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Remember. No matter how new your new you is, look sharp all year long with Harry's. Get a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash N-O-B. That's harrys.com slash N-O-B for a $3 trial set. Check it out. You'll find everything in our show notes today. Thanks, everybody. We are with author... Danny Olms. Danny Olms is a tech company founder, an athlete, a father, a good friend to me, an author. And um, the book, uh, Danny Olms, Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, is just getting these great reviews. As I, I say, um, Len Shapiro, longtime Washington Post sports writer, columnist, and editor, says Danny Olms, a so-called ordinary guy, has written an extraordinary book that offers countless life lessons the rest of us would be wise to heed and even emulate. Here's another important lesson. Put this on your must-read list now. I agree. I, I think this book is going to serve as a real inspirational source for our audience for so many these days. I love that, uh, as I say, I, I know you pretty well. I love that your dedication is to my children, Chase and Berkeley. You're the reason I know what love is. You're my kindred spirits and my guiding light, and you inspire me to be the greatest version of me. I love you more than anything. Such a nice touch. You also, in the book, you talk about these everyday miracles that uh, we we witness, and and certainly the birth of our children is is one of those miracles. You're also a real believer, and, and I would categorize you as a, as a true believer. Why, why, are you, why are you such a true believer in some of these everyday miracles that we witness, all of us? Absolutely, Paul. Um, you know, I start off the book from a wonderful scene from the movie Bruce Almighty, 
And, uh, <laughs> and, and if you remember Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman, favorite, a favorite of mine, <laughs> are, are sort of arguing what a miracle is and, you know, why, you know, why does this person get a miracle and this person not? Uh, and Morgan Freeman answers them with this. He says, a single mom who's working two jobs and still finds the time to take her kid to soccer practice. You know, that's a miracle. Teenager who said no to drugs and yes to an education. Now that's a miracle. And it's this last line. He says, people want me to do everything for them. But what they don't realize is that they have the power. And he says, you want to see a miracle son be the miracle. And, and I started off the book with that because, you know, I, I, I think miracles are mostly of our own making. And, and, you know, being a, you know, I start off this chapter talking about physics and the, the awesome wonder of the universe from a scientific perspective. But then that closes that chapter with the more astonishing miracle in life is that we have this thing called freedom and we have this thing called love and they, and they seem so meaningful to us. They are, and we're the manifestations of all of that. And, you know, I think, again, if, if we're waiting for that big miracle, if we're waiting for that booming voice in the sky, um, I don't know if that's what life's all about. I think that you know, maybe what we just need, and I quote this in the chapter, maybe we just need each other. You know, we need everyday miracles. Um, and it's something we're all capable of doing. You know, we're all capable of being kind. We're all capable of loving one another. We're all capable of compassion and gratitude and all these wonderful things. Uh, but to see, you have to, you have to recognize it. You know, that's why I read the author's note. You have to know where to look. Um, I don't, I don't think that's in this, in streaming a Netflix program at this point. I think that a lot of the things that are out there are actually taking away and distracting us from, from some of those subtleties in, in life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. You know, I, I'm old, you know, and so I love all these, you know, bromides and, and homilies and, and sayings. And it's often said that we, we all have a story to tell. I think you really are living proof of that adage. And, and as I mentioned right up front, I, I know you well. And uh, Gretchen and I walk the neighborhoods. You live relatively close by, and Gretchen and I would walk by your house and there you would be working hard <laughs> every single day in your garage. We would, we would watch you. Sometimes we would wave. Um, sometimes we could catch your attention. Often it was hot out as we were walking. It was sometimes raining. Yet there you were. And it was inspiring to us to see you working so hard at writing because writing is hard work. And I wonder what you'd say to our to our audience, because many of us probably will, many of us in our audience will have a story to tell, but what would you say about getting started, persevering, just as that 95-year-old woman was working so, exercising so hard, but tell us about writing to that last page. What does it just take to get started and do that and complete it? Because this is, this is what the, the book really, I think, teaches us. Sure. And you know, I think back to that, those times in the garage often and watching you walk by <laughs> and how much, um, not only how much love I had 
for you guys in the sense that you know you, you know you're you're acknowledging you know where I'm at and what I'm doing and but you know I I just it was very grateful for the opportunity uh, to to have, to pour my my heart and my soul out onto paper not not something that a lot of people have the opportunity to do and yes it was hot and you know sitting in my garage sweating in 95 degree but it was it was it, it was it was important for me to remove myself in a certain way uh <laughs> right right to remove those distractions so what, what you saw me doing was sitting in a place that was somewhat uncomfortable um but foreign in a way uh you know I, yeah, because you could have been, been in air You could have right? been inside your house. You could have been in the air conditioning. Yeah. Um, but you know, my my recommendation. You know, I I have a very, uh, you know, I'm sort of a daydreamer, right? So thoughts come into my mind. You know, the good ones or bad ones or whatever, average ones, and then they're gone. Uh, so you know, initially, I tried to sit down and and think and write at the same time, or think and feel and write at the same time. Uh, and that was a mistake because it was, you know, it really restricted the creative process to try to think about something and then write a, a, a nice thought down on paper or, or construct a, a proper sentence. So what, what I then started doing was that I started keeping a variety of journals all over the place. So I, I talk into my Apple watch, I text myself, I'd write something down. Uh, I keep electronic notes on my computer. And then anytime a thought or an inspiration came into my came into my mind or heart, I'd write it down. And it just didn't have to make any sense. It, it was just a jumbled mess. But I, you know, I was able to then go back later and coalesce those into uh, stories and, and more, you know, more, more thoughtful words. A lot of it came when I was writing, or excuse me, when I was uh, running. So, you know, I'd be off running and listening to something and, you know, I'd be talking, You'd probably see me out there in Franklin Farm talking into my watch. <laughs> I would. But those Absolutely. were the founds of creativity, right? And yeah, they I have knew. to be captured that way. Were. You know, the other wonderful review that I read about the book uh, is from Miranda Devine. She's a New York Post columnist, and she's also author of a book herself entitled Laptop from Hell. Miranda Devine says, Danny Holmes's folksy memoir packs a punch. He combines the wisdom gained from personal reflection with the lessons of an ordinary American living through extraordinary times. He has written a sweet tale for the country he loves. I, I love that that review because I think that does say a lot about the book. It says an awful lot about you. And I think in these challenging times, in these moments of reflection, and many in our audience have suffered through isolation, lots of challenges, trials, I want to get personal for just a minute with you, Danny Holmes, and and, and ask you mm-hmm. about your belief in a benevolent God, because I know that's real for you too, and and that you've gained wisdom from that, and that personal reflection has shaped this book and shaped you too. Sure, and you know th- this is something I, I wrote a lot about, uh, reflected a lot on. It, it's a question that's been asked for centuries probably since we could consciously reflect on our own existence, actually. And the question is, why does evil exist? And 
how do you reconcile that against the benevolence in the universe and a loving parent? How do you reconcile it against a lot of the you know, Christian doctrine that you and I have grown up reading and embracing? And, you know, you, you can complicate that answer. I mean, it has been complicated across centuries. But what I think it really boils down to is actually a positive in, in a sense that, Paul, we were given clearly the greatest gift in the universe, and that's freedom. And I'm not you know, necessarily talking about free will. I'm talking about freedom of thought. And whoever created us, it was pretty clear to me that they wanted us to be infinite like them. And, and we, we are infinite in our thoughts. We're free to think about whenever, whatever we want, whenever we want. And unfortunately, uh, there's a terrible consequence there, but also an awesome responsibility. And, um, you know, you know, that our thoughts alone, in my opinion, are the origins of the things that, that you're talking about here, evils, trials, challenges. I mean, if, it, if it's not obvious that, you know, life is supposed to be difficult, it's difficult by design. If you can imagine a, a video game that had no challenges or mystery or any difficulty, you get boring pretty quickly. You'd win it every time. <laughs> it would lack purpose. Um, but uh, again, we've been given this great gift and, um, you know, it, it, it goes back to what makes us extraordinary. What's it, it's having an extraordinary perspective about what happens to us in life. And, and that, and that is a choice. That choice is, is never taken away. You know, Austrian psychologist and, and Holocaust survivor, Victor Frankl, he said, you know, in between the stimulus and the response, there is a choice. There's a space. And in that space is, is what sort of determines our growth in life. But again, that choice uh, is never taken away. I, I say that fully understanding that that choice is far more difficult for some people, that, that there's an enormous disparity in the world. And I write a lot about that. A lot of the stories, actually the vast majority of the stories in my book are with people of color, with those with marginalized voices, the underprivileged, uh, certainly a lot of stories about people with disability. And you, you, you and I have read in, in scripture that as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And, you know, that typically we interpret that to mean that these are the people we're supposed to help. And, uh, and I found Paul in my life that actually most often the least of these is me. And, and that these are the, these are the people that are my greatest teachers. These are the people that I learn the most from. And these are the people that inspire me more than anybody. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I say in the, in the first chapter of my book, if you can find God on the margin, uh, if you have the patience and humility to look when most others look the other way, if you can pay attention to what's quietly dancing in the shadows, 
then you know your life will change. Your view of the world will change. Everything that you see can be an extraordinary miracle. And and, and that that was you know, that's all I hope my readers walk away from is that they look at the world a little differently after they read my book. Thank you for that. Um, just a beautiful sentiment. Well, you you mention a benevolent God and you mention a benevolent parent. And so I want to, I want to ask you about fatherhood because I, I do know you as a father and you, you certainly are, are every bit of that a, a coach in your children's lives. You, you dedicated the book to Chase and Berkeley. How has writing the book and all of these life stories that you've shared with us made you a better father to them and what growth in life has come from this and how have you learned from them in sure. writing the book? And I'll share a, a little story, a very short story towards the end of the book uh, to sort of answer this. I, you remember when we went and did the, the coat drive for the Syrian refugees. And mm-hmm. I took Jason Berkeley and, uh, you know, of course, like any eight-year-olds at the time or nine, however old they were, they, they complained and they, you know, they wanted to watch something on YouTube and they were playing Fortnite or they were doing something that, you know, was, was not helping somebody uh, in need, which was our goal that day. Uh, and so I said, you know what, this is probably a lesson that's maybe not appropriate for a nine-year-old, but I said, I want you to sit down. And so I Googled Syrian refugee children and I spent four or five minutes swiping pictures. And I said, these are the people that we're going to help. And, you know, it's clear that that's not something they see in their neighborhood. That, that might be something that they don't even know exists. You, you mentioned me being a coach. My son holds in his hand when he's up to bat uh, a piece of equipment that costs more than what most people on the planet make in a year. I think if there's anything I, I, I've learned by writing this book is that there's a there's a perspective that needs to resurface in, in society that you know maybe we you know need to rethink exactly what we have, the privileged place that we have in the world, and uh, we should probably be careful about what we complain about actually. Because, um, you know, you, you knew me to teach Sunday school class, and I, I taught a Sunday school class a number of years ago. A great did teacher. Some, uh, mm-hmm. Did some research on world poverty, you know, and it's staggering, uh, the level of, of suffering that there is in the world. And, we, you know, it goes unnoticed. Um, so, how, you know, I, I just try to teach my children that, you know, you've been given a great deal and, uh, and you need to give something back. It took me a long time to, to create something like this to, to, to give back. But I think that I hope that this book is, is that gift. It's a gift to them, to my children. Um, but again, it goes back to compassion. It goes back to love. It goes back to gratitude. Keep your eyes open to the world around you. Roald Dahl said it best. He said, you know, watch with glittering eyes the whole world around you uh, because the most wonderful things, you know, um, tend to be hidden or they reveal themselves in the most unlikely places. That's what he said. He said, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. 
Danny Holmes is our guest today, author of this wonderful new book, Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy. Not so ordinary, as we've learned about you. I, I wonder if we can wrap up, Danny Holmes, right now with, with just one more story from the book. And one of the stories that I found to be most inspirational was that of Haley Okine. And, and maybe tell us a little bit about how this story in the book shaped your life. Give us a little brief of, of Haley. Sure. Absolutely. It's a, it's a little story called the 90 year old little girl. And I start off the chapter uh, with a quote by Khalil Gibran. It says, your living is determined not so much by what life brings you as by the attitude you bring to life, not so much by what happens to you, but as the way your mind looks at what happens. Uh, Haley O'Kynes was a little girl I saw in a 60 minute documentary a long time ago. She had a condition called progeria, which is a, a progressive genetic disorder that manifests the sort of the appearance of rapid aging early in, in a child's life. So yeah, these little children, they're, you know, they range from about uh, you know, three to 10 years old in the documentary, but Haley was one in particular. Um, and th- these children's lives, you know, they're, 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 I think the life expectancy is, is, you know, around 12 or 13, but uh, I was just, you know, completely taken back by this young girl. She was five at the time. She was obviously, you know, very different looking. Uh, maybe some people would turn away when they when they saw her, but I, I found her beautiful. And, uh, you know, the documentary focuses on a lot of her struggles and, and things like that. But it what I took from it was that it was her spirit, her attitude, her excitement about life. You know, even though she knew it would be cut short, you know, she spoke of heaven with excitement and clarity. And, it, you know, it sort of reinforced my belief that sort of the veil is thinnest on the boundaries of our mortality, so to speak. And there's not, there's one part of it that um, I'll never forget. And it, it was, she was waiting at the bus stop on her first day of kindergarten and her parents are standing there. They're a little bit hesitant. You know, they're not sure about how this is all going to go. And she's, you know, kind of bouncing with excitement and smiling and got this huge backpack on. And then the doors uh, open on the school bus and it's this giant leap for her. She's this tiny little thing. and, And she takes this giant leap onto the school bus with a, a pride and an excitement and an energy I rarely see. And, and I immediately, the thought that immediately came to mind, I was like, um, you know, I, I was so proud of somebody that I would never know. Uh, and, you know, th- this came on the heels of a time in my life where I had just come off uh, a pretty bad struggle with alcohol. I was trying to rebuild myself. And I thought the way to do that was to build this physical physique that I had to be physically strong. Um, but after seeing that little girl, uh, you know, it, 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 it just changed my entire mindset and my, my outlook on life. I, you know, to me, strength was no longer a physical thing, but it was, it was a, 
it was about attitude, that attitude was everything, that your experience of life was how you approached it and the choices you made with what happened to you, not necessarily with your successes or your fame or how strong you were, how popular you were. You know, the choices you make with how you view your life become the experience of life. They become your life. If you can view the past differently, you can experience the past differently, right? It, it, you know, we talk a lot about forgiveness in faith traditions. You know, that changes our experience of the past, provides a better outlook for the future. Uh, so this little girl, again, it just went back to that attitude is everything. It's a great story. You know, it was a masterpiece. Well, you know, it really was. Thank you for sharing that that story. The, the book is filled with those kinds of stories. Again, Danny Holmes is our guest today. He's written this wonderful memoir, Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy. It is a collection of short stories. Absolutely, all of these are true events from from Danny Holmes's life. But it really charts. I think again, Danny, I know you, and so it charts this this progression that you've made. And and I think it is going to inspire uh, all of our audience and all readers to find this road to happiness. It's such a special book for this time of year, for all times. I think it's going to encourage readers to reflect on their own lives. And this is a good time of year to do that. But Danny Holmes, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the book. Happy New Year to you and your family, those great kids, (laughs) Jason Berkeley, and everything that you're doing. But I'll tell you, we're going to look for more from you because I know you've got a lot to share. But please come back and talk to us again as you write further and uh, as you update this. So good good job today, and thank you for your generous time. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm grateful for the time. And uh, I'm happy to well, obviously take any questions from your audience. I have a website up, dannyolms.com, and I would love to you know, interact with, uh, with, with folks and, uh, and just get the word out there. So thank you so much. That's great. We will put links so that our audience can find out more about Danny Olms and his new book, Memoirs from an Ordinary Guy, as well as to his website, dannyolms.com. Danny Olms, thank you again. My best to you. Same to you, Paul. Take care. My thanks to Palm Wonderful and Harry's Shaving for generously sponsoring today's show. My thanks to our guest today, Danny Olms, the author of the new book, available for pre-order, Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, The Everyday Experiences That Changed My Life. Thanks, Danny, for reading today. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe, which I'm mentioning in every show because I want to bring attention to the issue of assault rifles which aren't safe in anyone's hands but the military and law enforcement. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn, schools. Please, let's work together to eliminate assault rifles and let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next week.